Last week, well, it wasn't last week because last week was our Thanksgiving service. So sometime in the past when we were studying the book of Ecclesiastes, we looked at applying wisdom to our speech. And now we're going to, um, as this chapter ends with Solomon reflecting on how his search for wisdom apart from God failed. Again, remembering much of the book is written from the perspective of under the sun. Solomon shows us here the paths of his departure from godly wisdom and the end results. So we're going to learn to apply wisdom in life. I am glad God used Solomon to take his failures and to write and to explain to us, this is where you will go if you don't do it God's way. So let's look at starting at verse 23, Ecclesiastes 7, starting in the 23rd verse. All this I have proved by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which is far off and exceeding deep, who can find it out? I applied my heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things to know the wickedness of folly, even the foolishness and madness. And I find more bitter than death the, the woman whose heart is snares and nets. Her hands is bands. Whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. Behold, this have I found, saith the preacher, counting one by one to find out the account, which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not found. Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. So we're going to look at three points from this passage. First, we'll see the departure from godly wisdom. We'll see that in verses 23 and 24, the departure from godly wisdom. Then we'll observe the desire to know worldly wisdom, and we'll end with the destruction of worldly wisdom in verses 26 to 29. You and I must determine to apply God's wisdom to all of life. So let's look to him for guidance, please. Father, again, we ask you, guide us as we study tonight. Teach us from your word, Lord. Help us not to make some of the same mistakes that Solomon made, but to learn from his example and apply your wisdom in all aspects of life. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Going back to verses 23 and 24, we see the departure from godly wisdom. All this if I prove by wisdom, I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. Well, Solomon says that the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom in the book of Proverbs, right? And he was granted wisdom from God. Remember in Second Chronicles chapter 1, when he was God said, what would you request? And he requested for wisdom to be able to rule God's people. And he is the wisest man... Whoever walked the face of this earth, God gave him that wisdom, apart from Jesus Christ, who is God. So the only one apart from God, who the wisest that ever walked the face of this earth. But he made a choice to depart from the Lord. Proverbs 3, 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil, is what he wrote in Proverbs. Now remember, Proverbs was written by Solomon earlier, and Ecclesiastes is written after 
he even wrote Proverbs and said all these things not to turn from God, and then later in life does, and then he writes Ecclesiastes saying, hey, don't do what I did. You know, it's interesting. Many times, we'll get into this, but many times young people think that, oh, well, I didn't have all those experiences that you had, so you, you survived it, so it must be okay for me to do so. But when we depart from the fear of the Lord, we are not truly wise, but rather foolish. Paul says in Romans 1.22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And that's where the world is today. They turn from God. They know God, but they, 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 um, they don't acknowledge God. They profess themselves to be wise. But the wisdom of this world is truly foolishness. The deep things of God are not, as par, uh, not understood apart from God. Verse 24. That which is far off and exceeding deep, who can find it out? Well, we can understand what God teaches us. And Job understood this. If you flip back just a few pages in your Bible, a few books back to the book of Job, in chapter 28, starting at verse 12, But where shall wisdom be found? Job 28, verse 12. But where shall wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? Man knoweth not the price thereof, Neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth saith, it is not in me. And the sea saith, it is not with me. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with gold of Ophir, or with the precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it, and the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or pearls, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it, neither shall it be valued with pure gold. Whence then cometh wisdom, and where is the place of understanding? Seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living, and kept close from the fowls of the air, destruction and death say, We have heard the fame thereof with our ears, God understandeth the way thereof, and he knoweth the place thereof. For he looketh to the ends of the earth, and seeth unto the whole heaven to make the weight for the winds. And he weigheth the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and for the, rain, uh, for the way of lightning and thunder. Then did he see it and declare it. He prepared it, yea, he searched it out. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Boy, that's a mouthful written there, is it not? Where is wisdom? In fearing God, departing from evil. But because man refuses to believe God, he comes up with many crazy conclusions. You don't believe that? Look at some of the conclusions men come up with. You know, it's interesting. Flipping through, we don't have regular TV. We just have all this streaming stuff, right? So I saw, I was flipping through different, I don't know, channels, whatever. We used to call them channels on TV, but whatever you call them nowadays. Anyhow, found this thing about the Bible, supposedly. And so it caught my interest and I figured, well, I'm going to watch this. No, it was aliens and the Bible is what it was. And I'm like, oh, this got to be a good one. And it was amazing to me how that the fools who wrote this thing and produced this thing spent more time explaining away that the Ark of the Covenant was not an ark that God used and, and that the, the presence of God was there and that, you know, the different things that happened when the ark was certain places, how sometimes they would win wars or the people would prosper. And, you know, 
Dagon fell before the ark and all these things, instead of just acknowledging that was the power of God, they said what the ark was, was an alien thing they planted here and gave to man and it had all kinds of nuclear reactors in it and all this other stuff, and they didn't know how to handle it, and so it was doing all these weird things. And I'm like, that takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe that it was the power of God. It was foolishness. And my wife turned it off because I started yelling at the TV, so she (laughs) turned it off. That was the departure from godly wisdom. Yes, it's when I was home for four weeks recovering from, first of all, COVID and then pneumonia. And I was bored, so I was watching this. And she goes, you probably don't need to be doing this when you can't breathe. And I'm sitting there huffing and puffing, yelling at the TV. But (sighs) departure from godly wisdom and a desire to know worldly wisdom. Verse 25, I applied my heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly, even the foolishness and madness. He says, I made a deliberate choice of my will to know what it is to live like a fool and to live in the folly of this world. Now think of that. God gave him this wisdom and he takes his wisdom and he says, you know, I admit I made a deliberate choice of my will to go try folly. That's not a good application of wisdom there, Solomon. Now, the truth is, is we all have tried folly in our lives too, have we not? Okay, so before we get all on Solomon for his choice, we need to realize we've all made that same choice at one point, but he made a deliberate choice of his will. You know, I hear people say, well, I fell into sin. Well, you fall into a ditch. You fall into a pit, but you choose to sin as a Christian. Let me say that again. You choose to sin as a Christian. Now, the natural man is bound to sin. The lost person sins because that is their default. That's what they do. They are a slave to sin. They can do no other. You and I have been freed from sin, so when you and I sin, it is not just a, oops, I fell. It was a deliberate choice of our will. I want you to to think about that for a moment. Because, Christian, you and I can have victory. Did, Did God not say he's provided a way of escape with every temptation? Then are we looking for the escape hatch? Are we looking for a reason to give in to the temptation? And let me ask you a question. Should we have to be there half the time? Or are we putting ourselves in the position of temptation? You know, David was supposed to have gone to battle. He put himself in the position of temptation by staying home. Right? How often do we put ourselves in that position of temptation? Well, I just fell into sin. No, you put yourself where you didn't belong. He says, again in verse 25, I applied my heart to know. Applied has the idea to turn or to turn aside. He says, I wanted to search and to seek out. Searching has the idea to spy, explore, search out. So what was he seeking? Well, he was seeking wisdom. But then he admits, but I wasn't seeking godly wisdom. Because then he says about, I wanted to know wickedness of folly and even the foolishness of madness. He wanted to know the wickedness of folly. He wanted to experience it. Many young people feel that they're missing out if they don't try sin. I've met young people. Well, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, and I was told to do all these wonderful things. Now that I'm out of the house, I wanted to go try it and see how it really is. 
I mean, my parents did it, and they're okay. You know what they don't realize? It's the scars that will always remain. You know, I've been forgiven of my past. But you know what the problem is? I have a memory. And why I can't remember what I ate for breakfast, I remember the sins of my past. You know what I'm saying? They're impressed on my mind until the day that I'm raptured out of here or the day I die. And those scars I will carry. Now, I know they're under the blood. I know they're forgiven. But in moments of discouragement, don't you think Satan likes to bring those up and say, remember, you're just a wicked, evil guy. Yes, I am. That's right. But I'm under the blood. But let me tell you something. In moments of discouragement, it's easy to want to say, I'm just a failure. And you know what else young people don't realize? Is when you dabble in this sin, even though you can be saved out of it, you can be, and many times Christians choose to do it, even though you can be forgiven of it, you can confess that sin, you now have developed a propensity or a desire that should not be there. And, you know, we talk about alcoholics. And I used to wonder for years, I'm like, wait a minute, I thought God could save and give victory. Well, God can. But the problem is, is they have reprogrammed their brain and it's been proven that it's a reprogramming of their brain to where they have a weakness now for that, to where even the smell of, we had a gentleman here years ago, and this was long before COVID. There was a lady who said, I want to bring in this hand sanitizer, a germaphobe, I'm sorry. But anyhow, brought in this hand sanitizer. And so we used to shake hands. And, and after handshaking, everybody would go and grab a bunch of hand sanitizer and the place smelled like a brewery. Well, this gentleman who, had, who was coming here, who was saved out of a life of alcoholism and a real bad alcoholic, and he admitted it, said to me, he came to me, he says, Pastor, I can't stand it. Every time we go shaking hands, he goes, I just want to drink because I smell that. And he goes, I'm just half tempted to pop the lid off and drink it. You know what I did with him? I threw him away. And I said, that's not happening again. And I had the same person who bought him come to me and say about, well, you just threw him away. I said, yeah, because we're not going to cause a brother to stumble. You see, his brain was programmed to where it desired that alcohol, even though he was saved, even though God gave him a victory. And you know what? I praise God that he came to me and said, I need help with this. As a matter of fact, it was funny, not funny, but interesting, because he, his wife would still drink, unfortunately, and she left for a reason for a long period of time. And he called me and said, Pastor, this alcohol's in my house. I can't deal with it. I said, okay, what do you want to do? He goes, well, I, I could bring it over to the church and you'd get rid of it for me. I said, okay, are you sure? You know, because I was willing to go get it. So he brings this cases, cases of alcohol. And my wife and I are sitting there at the sink dumping out this alcohol. And we fill up the whole dumpster with bottles. And I'm like, you know, I wonder what church members think of us right now. But I really didn't care because I was helping a brother get rid of. And I'm telling you, it was some high-end stuff too. It probably is a good amount of money went down the drain and none of us cared because it was poison and that's what all it's worth. So if you ever see me with a bunch of booze bottles around, you might want to ask what it was about before you assume, okay? <laughs> Just saying. I love ministry because, you know, where else could you get stories like this? I'm telling you. <laughs> Too often saved people still look back at the world. Paul says to Demas, 1 Timothy 4.10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed into Thessalonica. May we get our eyes off of this present world. The Israelites, wanting to return 
to Egypt. You know, I'm teaching through Pentateuch, and we just saw that uh, last night, how not too long out in the wilderness, oh, man, back in the good old days when we used to eat the leeks and the melons and the garlic back in Egypt and going on and on about it. You know, we remember the good parts, but we forget the bad parts. It's said of a sailor that the best two duty stations a sailor ever had is the one he just came from and the one he's going to. Think that went through. Because you forget what it was like where you were and where you're not. It's obviously all glory and good, right? But you know, others were able to stand even in hard times. I hear so many saying, well, you don't understand. It's so hard. Well, I had to cave in. Well, you know, I read a couple young men in the Bible, Joseph and Daniel to be two of them, who had every reason, humanly speaking, to cave in, and neither of them would. Which brings us to our last point. Solomon made a choice to depart from godly wisdom. He made a a choice to desire to know worldly wisdom, but then he found out that he was not the exception to the rule that following worldly wisdom, following sin, still brought destruction. Verse 26, And I find more better than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets. Solomon had a total of 1,000 women. That alone makes me question the wisdom of Solomon. But anyhow, 1 Kings 11, 3 and 4, And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart, for it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect toward the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. He calls them snares and nets, traps. Why? Because he married, remember remember back then, a lot of the marriages were not because of love. It was for political gain or for, for whatever. So a lot of these were pagan women, but he married them because of trying to build these alliances, trying to build this political gain, trying to do all these things. And so he marries these women. But the problem is, is they did not follow Jehovah God. And after a while, it took the heart of Solomon away from God to these false gods that they worshiped. You see, we get this spiritual superiority complex that somehow I can deal with this person who is struggling with all these things, and I'm just going to pull them up to where I am, but we forget ourselves, we forget the sinfulness of our own hearts, that typically, if we're not careful, what's going to be happen is we're going to be drugged right down to where they are. This is why, friends, it's not sinful to be around sinners, okay, but we don't go around sinners for close fellowship because you're not going to bring them up, they're going to drag you down. Am I right? It is the natural tendency of our heart. So the godly will avoid her trap, but the foolish is taken therein. Proverbs 5, 3 and 4, For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is as bitter as wormwood, sharp as two-edged sword. Now, the very man who wrote Proverbs 5, 3 and 4, saying, avoid the strange woman, is the same one that has to write in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 26, I find more bitter than death a woman whose heart is snares and net, and her hands is bands, who pleaseth, who, whoso pleases God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. You know what he's referring to? I played the fool with women. 
So do not turn from God's ways. Jeremiah 6.16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk there, and then ye shall find rest of your souls. But they say, We will not walk there. And you know, God had to say that back in Jeremiah's day, and God is saying that in our day. Go seek the old paths. Oh, but we got this new way of doing things. But God says, Walk in the old paths. You know, God's way has not changed. And the world can call it old-fashioned, but it's still the right way. And God laid it out for us in his word. And you and I are, are to walk in the old paths. They're tried. They're true. Why? Because God said so. Following his word. You can choose the action to sin or not to sin. But if you choose the sin, you cannot choose the consequences that will come from that sin. You make a choice. Am I going to sin or am I not? Am I going to follow God or am I not? But when you make your choice, you do not have any control over the consequences thereof. Somehow we all think, I know when to stop. I know how far to go. I can dabble with this because I'm so close to God I won't be tempted by it. That is foolish. What you are saying at that moment is, I am a fool. Think about it. Because Solomon thought with all his wisdom he could handle it. And if the wisest man who ever walked the face of this earth couldn't handle it, let me tell you, this dummy can't. Right? Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. The law of sowing and reaping is a law that God has established and it cannot be changed. What you sow, you will reap. Well, I'll serve God someday. I'll come to God someday. But right now, I got to live for self. But let me tell you something, even if you do have the privilege of coming to God later someday, sowing to self is going to reap destruction, and there's going to be results. As I said earlier, there's going to be scars, there's going to be regrets, and it's wasted time that you cannot get back. Solomon says, God's way is an upright way. Go down to verse 29. Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. God's way is an upright way. God's way is a way of life everlasting. God's way, yes, it might be a narrow way. He never promised that it's going to be a rose garden. He, said, he says there's going to be trials in life, but he will guide us through it. He will give us the grace to go through it. And Christian, let me tell you something. Sin is fun, yes, for a season. I have great joy serving God. Being a Christian is a lot of fun. Now, are there hard times? Yes. Are there times when ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people? Yes. But I love people, okay? I, I really do. <laughs> it's just sometimes. Anyhow, and everybody who's been in ministry laughed, and they all understand exactly what I'm saying. Moving on. But they have sought out many inventions. Man's inventions lead to instructions. Men, the inventions had the idea of devices. Now, the thing is, is all these devices we have today can be used for the glory of God or can be used to continue a path of destruction. Okay, I'm old enough to remember black and white TVs. Some in this room are old enough to remember when a TV screen was about yay big black and white, right? 
And that was about as good as it got, and you could hardly see the image on the thing. But remember back in the... Now, I wasn't alive, but I did watch the reruns, okay? The Leave at the Beavers. The... You know, all these, all these that had a... I'll say, I'll even go to the extreme of saying a certain morality to them. Now we go to, I don't even know because I don't watch the garbage anymore. But I know even in the 80s and 90s when I was still watching TV, some of the filth that was on the TV, making dad look like a moron, making uh, broken homes a norm, making uh, premarital sex look like it's the norm, and just violence and killing and killing and violence. And you say, didn't you admit the other day you like to watch Forensic Files? Yes, that's actually true violence and true killing. And I'm also paying attention to what people are doing. So that's why I watch it. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I just like the mysteries of it. I, but anyhow, the point being is we've used TVs. We have TVs hanging here in church. That device in and of itself is amoral. Correct? How you use that device will either lead to destruction or can be used for godly means. Same goes for a phone. Same goes for all these other devices we have. But what do men tend to do with their inventions? Use it for the absolute worst possible thing, right? I mean, nuclear energy is still... One of the cleanest forms of energy out there, right? But you can make a nuclear bomb, which is kind of a bad thing, depending on who has it. <laughs> In Solomon's case, his polygamy, his 700 wives and 300 concubines. See, God's intention and God's way is one man, one woman for life. Now, where did Solomon get this, by the way? Well, if you read the life of David, he had quite a few wives too. And it tended to be the thing because, you know, hey, well, everybody else is doing it. So it must be okay. But that's not what God intended. But we all know better, right? I know what's better. You know, I know that's the way it's supposed to be. But you know what? I'm not going to get trapped into it. As I said, I know when to stop. I can quit any time. I've had many smokers tell me that. I could quit any time. Well, then why don't you? Well, many of them, because they can't. They won't admit it. I remember years ago, I was working at the Walmart in Shelby and had a witness to a guy from automotive, and he got saved, and he comes over to me, and he's like shaking like this. He's like, I haven't had a cigarette all day, Jim. I think I'm going crazy. I'm like, calm down, calm down. I'm like, look. He goes, I just went cold turkey. And I'm just really having a hard time with this. I'm like, okay. I said, you know, we can maybe get some help. I said, there are patches to help wean you off of that because he smoked like several packs a day and it was just horrible for him. I said, we could do something to help you. No, 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 no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be fine. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't fine. He needed help. And by the way, it's okay to admit I need help. We're way too prideful. And I know there's those that say, oh, well, God will give him the grace. I understand God gives the grace, but he's also given some medicine to kind of help sometimes when you have, your body has been reprogrammed by your addiction. Anyhow, he could stop, and he did. Cold turkey, probably not the best way to do it, especially for him. But whew, he was a mess. 
But God says, there's a way which seemeth right unto man. But the end there over the ways of death. You know, Solomon wrote that twice in Proverbs 14, 12, and again in 16, 25. Now, God only has to say it once for it to be important. But God chose to repeat that because he wants us to remember it. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Friends, we see people we come in contact with every day doing what they think is right in their own eyes. You think it's okay for everybody to do that which is right in their own eyes? Read the book of Judges, because sometimes I scratch my head still reading through that book and say, huh? You did what? Because every man was doing that which was right in his own eyes. And boy, there was a lot of destruction in the book of Judges, wasn't there? A lot of death in the book of Judges. And so it is for every one of us, and there is no exceptions to the rule. And if Solomon were standing here tonight, he would tell you, listen, I asked God for wisdom, and God granted me that wisdom. But instead of following God, I abused what God gave me, and I thought that I would, with my wisdom, would be the exception to the rule, and so I chose to follow folly. I chose to follow wickedness. I chose to go find out what it's all about, and I regret it. Don't. Do it. Because if he couldn't handle it, how do you and I expect to handle it, Christian? Don't play with sin. It is fire. And we're no exception. If you handle the fire, you're going to get burned. Solomon made a choice to depart from godly wisdom. He made a choice to pursue worldly wisdom. He reaped the consequences of his sin. Now listen, maybe you were saved at a later age, Maybe you, you had lived a life that was living in the world and living with the worldly wisdom. And you say, you know, I have children, I have grandchildren, and I want them to follow God, but they're following the pattern that I followed. You just keep following God and set that godly example. And God can use that to work in their hearts. But you just keep following God. Keep serving God. Don't fall back in that trap. But you show them that there's a better way. You show them that following God's way brings joy and peace and happiness and continue to pray for them. Let's remember to apply godly wisdom in all of life.